the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, my name is Dan Fitzgerald and thanks for joining me on the Country Hour this Thursday lunchtime. Well, a former Ag Minister has joined the board of the NT Livestock Exporters Association. Uh, today you're going to hear about his priorities for the export industry. I've got a lot of local people saying, hey, we've got buffalo in our country, how do we make money out of this, how do we get this? So um, that's what I'm really passionate about and that's what I really want to focus in and I bring those connections uh, throughout the Territory. Yeah, you've definitely heard that voice on the Country Hour before. You'll hear from him in the next hour. We'll also find out what is behind a national shortage of potatoes. It's impacting both the east and west coast potato crops. And you'll find out what it means for your fish and chips. And we will also check in on the Tropical Rock Oyster Program at the Darwin Aquaculture Centre, which has really come along in leaps and bounds in the last few years. Yeah, so we've been working on this with our partners for over 10 years now and that's seen some significant improvements in our ability to reliably produce oyster spat within our hatchery. So w- when we started this a good run was 100,000, now a good run's a million. Yeah, all that and plenty more on the Country Hour today. A bit first up today. ABC Radio Emergency Information. Well, the Bureau of Meteorology has just issued a tropical cyclone advice. Uh, for the latest, uh, we've got Sally Cutter at the Bureau on the line. G'day, Sally. Uh, what do we need to know this afternoon? Well, good afternoon. The thing to know is we've just issued a tropical cyclone advice. We've gone straight to a warning. So there's potential we could see gales within the next 24 hours. And the warning is current from Dundee Beach around through the WANT border around to Columbaroo, but not actually including Columbaroo. We have a low that's basically well west of, of Darwin at the moment, and we're expecting it to move southwards. So it's going to be moving down over the next 24 hours down towards the Joseph Bonaparte Gulf and may develop into a cyclone either to, overnight basically but tomorrow morning we'll pass relatively close to what air so what air may see some gales tomorrow morning but there's the chance that we might see gales developing overnight so as far north as Dundee Beach. Okay and how strong might those gales be? Oh, we're only looking at a category one system so it's the so just your standard your your to your bottom end of a cyclone so damaging winds possible so the yeah we're looking at gales basically the so that's that's thirty knots so up to ninety kilometres an hour is what we're looking at. Okay, so the warning zone at the moment is from Dundee Beach uh, through to Columbaroo in Western Australia, so that includes the communities of Wadair over in WA, Cunanar and Wyndham. What's the advice for people in that warning zone? Okay, so basically we, we're looking at making, you've got to make preparations. So people in Wadair and surrounding areas should take action to complete their preparations and check your household plan and listen for the next advice. And they'll be issued at, to the next one around about one thirty 
Central Standard Time. So it's and if you're listening in WA about noon, so just probably just keep up to date with the situation. We, it hasn't yet developed into a cyclone, but as it comes south, we are expecting it to develop, and we could see some higher than normal tides between Dundee Beach and Wyndham, and large waves which may produce a minor flooding of the low-lying coastal areas tomorrow. But also we do have potential for some damaging wind gusts over the TV Islands and further north of the warning area. And we've got a severe weather warning current for those. We might also see some heavy rainfall. So conditions that you'd expect within the cyclone area, but without the, the mean gale force winds. So just the gusts and the heavy rainfall so outside the, the warning area or the cyclone warning area. Uh, how much rain could this system bring, Sally? Uh, it could be fairly large rainfall totals. We do have a flood watch across basically south of the top end, but it does still go up into the some of those catchments of just north of what air. So if, as far as those rainfall totals, we're looking at some, some 30 to 50 mils isolated totals exceeding 100 mils today then getting to increasing tomorrow so 40 to 70 millimeters with those 100 millimeters but once we're getting closer to the the west coast to the the rivers that flow into the Timor Sea we're looking at more likely 70 to 130 millimeters with isolated totals up to 200 millimeters tomorrow and even up to 250 millimeters on Saturday. Yeah okay that's um that's a fair bit of rain that that could be on its way. Yeah, yeah. So heavy rainfall, the gale force winds, so damaging winds potentially, but the heavy rainfall is also going to be a significant issue with this system. Anything else we need to know um, about this system, Sally? Just keep keep up to date with the warnings. The we, if you to listen to the radio, the also on our website. Then and on our app, so keep 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 up to date with what's happening, and we'll we will be updating them frequent or at at regular intervals, and so just just take care out there as well. Okay, thanks for the update, Sally. Um, we'll get some more details uh, from you about uh, the day to day weather at one o five. That's okay. Thanks. Uh, that is Sally Cutter there at the Weather Bureau. Uh, so just uh, repeating. Uh, the news that the Bureau of Meteorology has issued a tropical cyclone warning. So a possible tropical cyclone may develop a Friday morning before crossing the coast near the NTWA border. So this tropical low, it's deepening over the Timor Sea as it moves south-west towards the Jophus Bonaparte Gulf. Um, so the warning zone currently is from Dundee Beach uh, down to over to Colombo in Western Australia. So that includes the community of Wadair uh, in Western Australia, Kununurra and Wyndham, um, but not including Columbaroo. So gales with gusts up to 90 kilometres per hour may develop overnight um, and there's going to be a lot of heavy rainfall and potentially some higher than normal tides between Dundee Beach and Wyndham. So um, as Sally said, uh, there'll be more details throughout the afternoon um, and keep across uh, the Bureau of Meteorology's websites and the ABC radio for more information. It's cyclone season. Now is the time to make sure you're prepared. Sit down with your family and work out an emergency plan for when a cyclone hits. Decide in advance where you'll take shelter. Prepare a cyclone kit. 
with a radio, torch, essential first aid and toiletries and enough food and bottled water to keep your family self-sufficient for at least three days. For more information, visit abc.net.au slash emergency and listen to ABC Radio, your emergency broadcaster. Well, the monsoon, it has well and truly hit the top end. Um, there's a lot of nice, cool rain scattered right across the top end at the moment. If you look at the uh, Bureau's radar at the moment, there's a lot of action through from about Whatair way over to Manningrida. Lots of storms popping up uh, this afternoon. Uh, it's brought some lovely, cool temperatures. And there was plenty of rain uh, over yesterday afternoon as well. Some big rainfall figures of around 86 millimetres at Adelaide River West. Uh, Mount Bundy training area had 71 millimetres all the way down uh, in the Gulf. Centre Island near Borrelula copped 79 millimetres. Uh, the biggest falls, uh, they were reserved for Nulamboy, which had a whopping 157 millimetres to 9am today. Uh, ben Lloyd, he's a butcher in town there at Nulamboy. I spoke with him a short time ago about the big rains that hit the town yesterday. Yeah, they've been pretty wild, eh? Pretty, uh, yeah, wet as. As you can see, I'm looking out the window now and, yeah, I can still just see rain. It's been good, but this has really been, like, the start of the wet season at the moment. But obviously it's given us a crack of rain to kick off the season. So I guess there'll be um, a lot of empty beer cans on Christmas Day because not a lot of people will be out doing much. And 157 mils uh, yesterday. Tell us what that rain was like. Was it a big storm or was it, did it really set in? Yeah, she set in, mate, but, yeah, on and off all day. But, yeah, it was pretty hectic some of the times there. Bloody seagulls getting blown around. Don't know which way they want to go. So, yeah, it's been pretty good, pretty wild. Yeah, there was a bit of wind with it, was there? Yeah, heaps of wind, a few trees down and that around town. So nothing too hectic yet, but, yeah, just um, giving us a little taste of what's to come, I reckon. And how are things today? Today, quiet, yeah, wet, muddy and quiet. But I think the Christmas spirit is really setting in around town as everyone's, um, yeah, coming in, getting all their shopping and that done. So that track's a bit muddy. She's probably closed at the moment, so the people that were going to drive out can't drive out now. And if you want to pay top dollar to fly out, um, yeah, unless you're Bill Gates, no one can afford to pay the prices that they're charging to fly out at the moment. So everyone's going to be stuck in town and, yeah, bit mad at the moment yeah we're going pretty crazy in the butchers down here bloody yeah everyone's getting in yeah tell us what uh, your week has been like at the butcher shop it's been busy mate proper busy eh? especially yesterday and today's probably going to ramp up again as well but Woolies has run out of hams here so we're the last place in town that has ham at the moment so I reckon they're going to get swooped up today yeah have you got many left yourself Oh, not, we don't even have that many, probably not even a dozen left, so, and I've got people lining up out the door right now, probably to ask about the ham. Yeah, right. Uh, besides <laughs> ham, anything else been a big seller this week? Oh, everyone's liking their pork ribs and prawns, everyone's loving their prawns, eh, all these bloody seafood heads, but we're out, we're fresh out of prawns now, so we've got absolutely no prawns left, and yeah, everyone wants their pork riblets, eh. Some about those pigs around Christmas time. Well, it sounds like you're pretty busy. I better let you get back to it. Thanks for having a chat with the Country Hour. No worries, mate. Take it easy, eh?
Yeah, that's a very busy Ben Lloyd. Uh, he's a butcher at Gove Butchers in Nulamboy, which uh, to 9am yesterday had uh, 157 millimetres of rain. Uh, so, yeah, a lot falling there at Gove. Uh, there is still a little bit of a sprinkle around uh, this afternoon as we go to where, but, um, yeah, plenty more over the western side of the top end. Uh, it also seems like there's been a bit in central Australia. We've had a text here from James at Epranara Station. Uh, it says there's been 75 millimetres of rain at the station and a, a few decent stretches of road that are all underwater. Uh, thanks for your text, James. Uh, we love hearing your weather reports here on the Country Hour. Uh, you can text us in on 0487 991057. And, yeah, there is a fair bit going on in the weather at the moment, um, as we heard at the start of the program, the Bureau of Meteorology has issued a tropical cyclone warning. So this is for an area from Dundee Beach over to Columbaroo in WA, so including Wadair, Kununurra and Wyndham. Uh, we'll be getting some more details again from the Weather Bureau at five past one, um, where we'll also hear about some of the other warnings that are out. So there's a flood watch out for the Carpentaria Coastal Rivers, a flood watch for the Bonaparte Coastal Rivers, the Northwest Coastal Rivers and inland NT catchments um, and also some marine wind warnings. So a bit going on um, here on the Country Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald, on ABC Radio and the Northern Territory. G'day, I'm Lisa Pepper and I'm in here at Darwin Port where we're currently in the process of loading a couple of thousand head onto the Greyman Express for live export. And thanks for listening to the Country Hour. Well, expanding the Territory's buffalo industry and increasing its exports will be a key focus for the NT Livestock Exporters Association's newest board member, former Agriculture Minister Ken Vowes. He was appointed to the NT LEA board early this month. He had a chat with Michelle Stanley about his priorities for the board and his long-standing interest in the industry. Well, through my Aboriginal side, I'm really passionate, and that's uh, what the board uh, really keen to have me on. I'm really passionate about expanding buffalo trade. You know, it's gone from nothing to uh, 10,000 uh, exported over and then 5,000 box. So I'm really keen, and those connections I have uh, through family and relatives uh, and just um, travelling and being a Territorian around the place, uh, I've got a lot of local people saying hey we've got buffalo in our country how do we make money out of this how do we get this so um, that's what I'm really passionate about and that's what I really want to focus in and I bring those connections uh, throughout the territory. What kind of opportunity do you see for for people when it comes to buffalo? I just see huge making money you know section 19 leases uh, the economy being in charge of their own economy and and uh, futures I see jobs out there uh, the whole supply chain you know not just getting the, uh, the buffalo or cattle. It's also about driving the road trains, the diesel mechanics, everything like that. I just see so many opportunities for Territorians to be involved in the industry and I just don't want to see anybody sitting around and caring for country and just taking care of it, but also uh, sort of into society where you get some financial benefits of, from your country. What do you see the challenges in, in getting to where you'd like the buffalo industry to be? I just think continuity, it's always about that. I mean, many governments have tried and organisations have tried to, uh, you know, link 
traditional owners, people as well, and just people who want to be involved in Buffalo. But just the tyranny of distance and time and different, you know, different commitments and alternative commitments, that it sort of gets lost. And I think we've got to go back to, well, I know you've got to go back to just literally holding people's hands and saying, hey, we know how to do this industry. We've got the whole supply chain set up from, you know, feeding them to putting them on a truck to either sending them overseas or, you know, putting them in a box and going to an abattoir. Get all those links set up and just show them and go, this is how we can do it and then make sure we hold their hand the whole way through. We're here at the Berrimer Yards at the moment. Fair bit of cattle around yeah. us and there are some trucks you can hear in the background too. We've just come back from the port. Um, what's it been like? I mean, you're only one week into the, in, you know, being on the board, but um, what's it been like, this kind of look around and then the last week or so? Yeah, it's been really good. Uh, we had uh, the opposition leader a couple of weeks ago uh, that I got asked to come along and you know, I've been involved for a little while there until officially on the board. Uh, but it's just good to show people um, you know, the safe environment, the clean environment, the whole journey. You know, once they come into the feedlot here at Berrimer Export Yards, down to the cattle, you know, unloading them off at the port, it was seen onto the port. Uh, it's very clean, it's very professional, it's very safe, and that's really important for the industry. You know, there's been issues in it, nobody's going to mess around with that, and that's why everybody's so focused on creating a safe environment for our, you know, for their product to uh, showcase the territory to the world. We've also got the, the threats of FMD in Indonesia and, and lumpy skin disease is kind of the, the one that people are talking about a fair bit. How prepared do you think that the northern cattle and the, the export industry is here? Well, if it's your industry, you prepare for everything and we have full confidence, all our producers, all our suppliers and all that, uh, but it is a huge concern and I know we share the fears of the industry and other industries, the cattle industry, uh, the federal government share the fears, the bureaucrats, so, so we, we are all preparing. And we need, it has to be a holistic approach because it is the biggest threat to the industry and it literally closes overnight. And that's a lot of families and a lot of people in a lot of trouble who have tried to do the right thing. 2022 was quite a, an interesting year, a bit turbulent for a lot of people, obviously, in the cattle industry. What do you see from 2023? I think we'll see an increase. I mean, food, people eat, they need food, they want beef, they want, uh, want Australian and Territory beef, cattle, buffalo, whatever we can get over there. So I see 2023 that it's expanding a bit, especially in the buffalo trade. You'll see bigger numbers going to more markets. I think as uh, the world gets hungrier, uh, the journeys are becoming longer and our products are being our world-class products. And you'll see that. I, I just see 2023 expanding and getting new markets by locking away our really secure, long-term ones we already have. What do you look forward to for Chrissy in the new year? Well, as a vegetarian, I, <laughs> I look forward to a beautiful masaka or something like that. Um, but I just want everybody to be safe and the industry to be safe, and as I know it already is, and everybody to have a really great new year and come back 2023 is going to be a ripper for everybody. Are you really a vegetarian? Yeah. How does that work being on the board of the NT Livestock Exporters Association as a vegetarian? <laughs> well, it worked when I was the minister, and I, I do say the industry took the mickey out of me i remember uh, uh going somewhere and somebody said oh we've been uh you know getting your meal prepared minister and it was a bit of a piss take but i love that because that's what i'm about as well you know do your job well but have a bit of fun doing it but it's an interesting journey so you can see where i come from is like i want to make sure that the, the cattle are safe everything's right the industry's looked after i mean i don't eat the meat 
but I, I know what it means to the territory and I know what people and the blood, sweat and tears they put into industries and that's these are old industries that have been going on for a long, long time. So governments and everybody, including the board, have to listen to the members. Well, I'll enjoy my beef for dinner <laughs> and you enjoy your masaka. Thanks for your time on the Country Hour. No, a pleasure. Always a pleasure. That is Ken Vows, the NT's Livestock Exporters Association's newest board member. He's, of course, also a former Ag Minister here in the Territory, and he was speaking there with Michelle Stanley. It is 10 minutes to one here on the Country Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald, on ABC Radio right across the Territory. More than 200 Australians have now been hit with food poisoning after eating contaminated spinach. So what is the Food Safety Authority doing about this in the wake of this incident? Uh, You'll find out after a bit of credence. Creedence Clearwater Revival there with Have You Ever Seen the Rain? This is The Country Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald. Well, the Australian New Zealand Food Authority says it's developing new guidelines to help farmers make sure their food products are safe to eat for consumers. This has come about because of the large number of people who suffered from food poisoning after eating a certain brand of pre-packaged spinach, which has now all been fully recalled. Uh, So, yeah, the official advice is that spinach is now safe to eat after the Victorian farm where the contaminated spinach came from sprayed out its entire contaminated paddock. Uh, Crystal Lemus from the Australia New Zealand Food Safety Authority says the full extent of the impact of this contaminated spinach, it's only just coming to light. We're aware that there are about uh, 190 potential cases that have been reported across New South Wales, ACT, Victoria and Queensland. However, I would like to say cases are still being followed up and it is anticipated that with greater public awareness, um, we might see uh, some more cases or some less uh, lowering of those case numbers just as we work out whether it was uh, attributable to those products. How do we stop it happening again? Yeah, great question. So in the background, uh, as a result of this, we are developing up some industry guidance uh, to assist the industry uh, to be sure that the products going into the market are safe into the future and so that they've got uh, some guidance that they can look at to control uh, the the weeds that might grow in in various paddocks. So maybe changing the, the system a little bit, making it a little bit more cautious. Uh, I think um, the system is very good. We rarely have uh, food incidents, so this is a bit of an anomaly. So it's important to recognise that this is that, an anomaly. Uh, But whenever we do have incidents, we absolutely look at ways that we can control it and put in place whatever we need to to assist everyone in making sure that the food supply is safe. But this, this weed is quite widespread by the sound of things in a lot of states in Australia. Uh, the weed is widespread and uh, we do. there's great work that's done by farmers to control it. Again, just to note that the growing conditions have been quite interesting this year. We've had a lot of rain and a lot of other things. So it's just important to note that uh, occasionally these things do happen. But again, the food supplies are well versed in, in being able to, to action remediation quickly. And to help out our farmers that grow spinach, it's safe to buy spinach now. Your consumers can be uh, can, can feel safe in buying spinach. Absolutely. The recall removed uh, affected product from the market and it's now safe to eat spinach again uh, just in time for Christmas. It's Crystal Lemus. She's the Head of Science and Risk Assessment at the Australia New Zealand Food Authority and she was speaking there to Michael Condon.
nominations are now open for Farmer of the Year, with 10 categories spanning all ages and stages of life on the land. Let's recognise the hard work of our rural leaders, innovators and farming legends and celebrate those in our rural sector who go above and beyond. You can enter yourself or someone you know at farmeroftheyear.com.au. Proudly supported by the Kandinan Group and ABC Rural. Well, potato growers on both the east and west coasts are having their own separate issues, which has led to a bit of a nationwide supply issue with chips. Uh, In Victoria, potato growers, they've been dealing with flooding. And over in Western Australia, which supplies around a quarter of Australia's potatoes, there's been a really cool spring, which has led to a delayed harvest. WA potato farmer Michael Smith, he says he should normally be harvesting right now. It was a very cold start this year, um, which has pushed our production back probably at least a fortnight. Um, So we should be really harvesting now, but we're still a fortnight away. And are other WA growers experiencing the same sort of situation? Yeah, yeah, it's it's statewide. It um, doesn't matter whether we're growing, you know, up up in Mile Up or whether it's down in Albany. Um, it's just the cold spring. Yeah, has really set things back a bit. How has the situation in WA contributed to the potato shortage? Yeah, well, as we all know, the east coast there have been flooded out, the poor buggers, and um, yeah, with with the with everything being pushed back a couple of weeks here, the harvest it's um it certainly hasn't helped the problem. What do you think can be done about it? Uh, not much can be done at this stage. Um, yeah, it's it's been a hard one. Potato growers uh, haven't made a lot of money the last few years out of potatoes, so there's certainly not too many new growers coming into the industry. But, uh, yeah, it certainly hasn't helped things with just mainly the weather um, on the east coast and west coast here is what's, what's really done this shortage. Yeah, can you describe the weather situation to me on the west coast a bit more? Well, they were forecasting a, a hot, dry spring, but um, we certainly didn't have a hot one, although it was probably below average rainfall. We just didn't have that uh, that warm warm um, air. And you know, no, normally our potatoes, when we plant in September, they're all germinated within four weeks, three to four weeks. But uh, I think that took at least five weeks to poke their head through the ground this year, which is when they get a delay from the start, that delay follows right through. And just the growing season has been very cold and uh, has only really warmed up in the last fortnight. By the time you do get around to harvest, what do you what do you predict with size and yield? Uh, I think size will be back a little bit, especially with our early plantings, um, which will come on um, in January. It's hard to say until we put the harvester in, but I'd say size and yield will definitely be affected. When are you hoping to be done harvest this season? Uh, we, we start harvest first week of January, and depending on how wet it gets after Easter, uh, normally we finish towards the end of May, early June. Are you doing anything to try and boost production since there is a shortage now? Uh, it's very hard to, uh, once you get that cold weather, it's very hard to, to get them to grow any quicker. But uh, we, we have leased a bit of land this year to grow a few extra potatoes and hopefully that'll, that'll help a bit later on. What does this mean for you to have a potato shortage as a grower? Uh, well, it should be a good thing. Hopefully there's a, a fair demand and um, we can get our crop out uh, on time and uh, yeah, hopefully get a few more dollars for it at the end of the day. What do you predict will happen in the next 12 months in this space? Uh, it's going to be very interesting because I know the East Coast, if they have planted any potatoes, they've been late. So they, they won't see any on, in, online in their factory until probably at least March at this stage. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. The demand's going to be high. Yeah, certainly lots of demand from fish and chips shops over southern summer. That is WA uh, potato farmer Michael Spiss speaking there with Sophie Johnson. It is just about time to head to the news here on the Country Hour and up after that we'll head back to the Weather Bureau to get uh, some more detail on this tropical cyclone warning that's been issued 
and find out what is else happening in the weather around the Territory. I'll speak to you in a couple of minutes. G'day, I'm Jermaine. G'day, I'm Caleb. And we're from Territory Bees. We're out here in Darwin's rural area attending to some hives and you're listening to The Country Hour. Dan Fitzgerald is my name and thanks for your company on The Country Hour this Thursday lunchtime. Still got plenty to come for you on the program today, including a trip out to the Darwin Aquaculture Centre, which for the last few years has been really busy uh, growing lots of baby oysters known as spat, and they're getting really good at it. Yeah, so we've been working on this with our partners for over 10 years now, and that's seen some significant improvements in our ability to reliably produce oyster spat within our hatchery. So when we started this, a good run was 100,000. Now a good run's a million. Yeah, and we're going to ask and try and find out when you might be able to get your own territory tropical rock oysters on your plate. Fingers crossed it might not be too far away. Uh, But let's see what's happening with the weather now. We've got Sally Cutter at the Bureau today. How are you, Sally? Not too bad, thanks. Now, for those who missed the start of the program, a tropical cyclone warning has been issued. Uh, What's the information people need to know? Well, we've got a tropical cyclone warning that runs from Dundee Beach around through the WANT border and around to Clumbaroo, but doesn't include Clumbaroo. And we're looking at a low that's developing off our coast out to the west of Darwin at the moment. It should move south over the next 24 hours and move over land in the JB Gulf or Joseph Bonifat Gulf near the WA border to, uh, later tomorrow. So tomorrow morning it looks like it's probably somewhere near Wadair and we are expecting the poss- it may develop into a cyclone overnight and we could see gales on the coast to on the north to the northern areas of that warning area overnight and then around to the border as we go into tomorrow. So what sort of weather conditions can people in that area expect? Uh, wet and windy is probably sums it up. The, there's going to be some reasonable rainfall associated with it. There's also going to be some winds. We're looking at winds up to 90 kilometres an hour associated with the the system as we go on the coast and then also we might see some higher than normal tides between Dundee Beach and Wyndham with large waves that may produce minor flooding of low-lying areas during tomorrow. Uh, so uh, the advice of people in Wadair and, and surrounding communities, what what do they need to know? Basically check your health, household plans of the take actions to complete the preparation, so to tidy up the yard and, and listen for the next advice which will be coming out in in half an hour or so. So that's probably the main thing, to keep up to date with what's going on. We, for those not in the warning area, we do have a severe weather warning for damaging wind gusts and heavy rainfall. So we're not likely to see the, the mean winds or the mean gales through the Terry Islands, northern parts of the Daly District and the northeast, sorry, the northwest corner of the Arnhem District. 
but we could see some damaging wind gusts as those monsoonal showers and storms and squalls move on shore and also just some heavy rain if you get caught under a whole series of of showers and storms and then we've got a flood watch for southern parts of the top end extending through much of the rest of the NT as we go into central Australia. Yeah, uh, just looking at the radar right now, Sally, um, there's uh, some rain across a, a fair bit of the top end, right up from Daly Waters um, up to the to the northwest. Um, what sort of uh, rain might might come in the next day or so with all those storms? Uh, we are looking at some some reasonable totals in the the flood area. We're looking more sort of around that's some forty to seventy millimeters, up to one hundred and fifty millimeters in the Carpentaria coastal area, so that's the around MacArthur River roll all the way. The if you're in the to the, the more on the western side, we're also seeing some pretty good falls up to that that forty to seven mil, forty to seventy millimetres with hundred mils. But as we get closer to the the site or the low, we still could see some 70 to 130 millimetres with isolated, isolated falls of over 200 millimetres over the next couple of days. And th- these are daily totals. So they, it could drop a fair bit of rain. And if you're looking at so how much rain's fallen just since 9 o'clock so far, we've had 56 millimetres up at Murganella. So there's, there's some pretty good falls. And yesterday, Nullumboy got 157 millimetres in 24 hours and Manangreda 98 millimetres. So there's some good falls out there. So just just be aware that those that rainfall will could cause some, some flooding and at minimum to disrupt transport with the, the roads, particularly the dirt roads becoming sodden. And so just, just remember that if, it, if it's flooded, forget it. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, and for, for Central Australia, uh, are they expected? Is it, it expected still to get some rain out of this uh, this weather event? Yes. So we, there's two things that is causing the rain down in the southern parts. You've got the the trough moving through down south, and then you've also got this low helping bring that trough or pumping the the moisture into the higher up in the atmosphere and bring that deep tropical moisture, the the northerly winds through the NT. So we could see some some good rainfall right through the Territory. So those those really big totals we're not going to see down in sort of central Australia, but we could see some, sort of 30 to 50 millimetres so each each day. So that's certainly some good, good rainfall and may, might even increase a little bit more as the load moves south and moves over land and then comes down ten, down the western border. Yeah, OK. Um, anything else we need to know today, Sally? No, that's it. Probably just the important thing is to keep an ear out for the, any warnings or where you usually access your, your warning information and, and just take care that, and, and take heed of what the advice for your actions are. We certainly will do. Thanks for the update, Sally. That's okay. That is Sally Cutter there at the Weather Bureau. And, yeah, just repeating the advice, uh, the Bureau has issued a tropical cyclone warning. So a uh, possible tropical cyclone could develop Friday morning before uh, crossing the coast near the NTWA border. So the warning zone is from Dundee Beach over to Columbaroo. So this includes the communities of Wadair, Kununurra and Wyndham. A cyclone warning has been issued by the Bureau of Meteorology. This means that a cyclone is expected to affect this region within the next 24 hours. Make sure your family, friends and neighbours have understood the cyclone warning. Secure your pets. 
Be ready to collect your children when schools close. Secure any loose material around your home and fill emergency containers with water. Check your car is full of fuel and parked in a sheltered position, in gear, with the handbrake on. If you decide to evacuate, try to leave early to avoid the rush and deteriorating road conditions. When the cyclone arrives, turn off the gas, water and electricity and take shelter in the strongest part of your house. Stay safe and stay informed with ABC Radio, your emergency broadcaster. Yeah, and you're listening to The Country Hour this afternoon with me, Dan Fitzgerald, on ABC Radio right across the Territory. We're also on the podcast. Well, farming top-end oysters has uh, its really been a long-term project. Um, it's been going for years. Uh, with uh, There's some huge potential to grow the local seafood industry, especially in coastal Indigenous communities. However, growing out tropical rock oysters is not an easy task. Uh, the Darwin Aquaculture team has been working on spawning commercial spat for close to a decade. Um, and during that time, they made some big improvements, and groups involved say... Hopefully, by this time next year, you might be able to buy some top-end oysters and chow down them at Christmas time. Annie Brown went to the Darwin Aquaculture Centre to see those tiny baby oysters being grown out. These little specks are thousands and tens of thousands of babies. Growing tropical oysters is hard work. They are tiny, temperamental and thrive in the build-up. As Matt Osborne from NT Fisheries explains. You'll see there's these little blobs of, of black around the mesh. That's Each blob is tens of thousands of little oyster larvae. Right now we've got around 10 million oysters in both of these tanks, so roughly 5 million each. And we'll drain these each day, clean them, introduce them into the new fresh water, feed them, and then continue that for the next day. They're around day eight now. Um, between day zero when they're spawned and day 21 when they turn into what we call spat, they're going through about five different life changes. So they've changed their shape and they'll get ready as they grow and shift and get bigger in preparation for changing into what we call spat, which is when an oyster would naturally settle onto a rock and stay there forever. Within the hatchery environment, we actually try to get them through those life phases and to settle into a spat either onto nothing or onto a surface very gently that we can softly remove them from without damaging or hurt them. And then we can use them in our farming system because they're movable, they're mobile, and they enable us to grow them in a way that encourages them to shape up and look like a cup kind of oyster that you'd see in a restaurant. And, and that's the kind of technique that's been used in temperate, South, temperate Australia, around the world, to produce the Pacific oysters, the Sydney rock oysters. We're trying to use that as a starting point, but then modify how we do this for our own native tropical oyster species. How difficult is this part of the process? You know, have you had a good success rate in, in this area? Yes, yeah, so we've been working on this with our partners for over 10 years now. The last three years we've had a really good relationship with the Cooperative Research Centre for Developing Northern Australia, Yegbani Aboriginal Corporation, Andaliakwa Land Council, as well as partners in Western Australia and in Queensland. And that's seen some significant improvements in our ability to reliably produce um, oyster spat within our hatchery. So w when we started this, a good run was 100,000. Now a good run's a million. So we've had huge growth in our, our knowledge and capacity to do this work. We've also recently published the world's first manual 
to how to produce these oysters in a hatchery environment, which is a really great, fantastic representation of the work that's happening out here and the quality of our scientists and our technicians. And that's really exciting because that's, that's helping us and helping Australia kickstart a tropical oyster industry. One of the challenges about working with the oyster larvae as opposed to the algae is it's quite warm in here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the algae lab we have the air conditioner turned to cool. In the oyster room we've got the air conditioner turned to warm. So in here it's around 30 degrees um, and quite humid with all the water and that's because these oysters are used to that condition. They're used to growing up in our warm, hot waters of the Northern Territory. In the build-up is when they'd actually normally be found in the environment. So we need to replicate that. And that's an ongoing challenge for the people that are doing the work in this room. <laughs> Northern Territory Fisheries is growing spat, or baby oysters, for Yagbani Aboriginal Corporation on South Goulburn Island and Andiliakwa Lamb Council on Groot Islet. They've worked with communities to set up the farms along the coast. But the oyster farms come with their own unique top-end challenges. I mean, you know, the biggest, the biggest environmental challenge that we have um, uh, is, is crocodiles, of course. Um, you know, we have uh, lots of saltwater crocodiles that share the oyster farm and um, they, you know, they, they, everybody likes oysters, including crocodiles. They, they chew our baskets, so we're, you know, forever um, watching very, very carefully. But uh, we're kind of on a first-name basis with the crocodiles that do live there. <laughs> really? um, and, um, yeah, and then, of course, you know, weather events, you know, you know obviously being in the, in the tropics, you know, cyclones um, and uh, different things that can, can change quite quickly. That's Steve Wesley, the Chief Executive of Yagbani Aboriginal Corporation in northeast Arnhem Land. They've been developing their oyster farms for many years and they are currently in the final stages before they start commercial harvesting. We've been on the uh, oyster trail now for six or seven years and uh, starting with you know, water quality testing to make sure that uh, we have no heavy metals and, and various things. Uh, it's largely been uh, experimental in, in the early stages and uh, we're now in the later developmental stages nearly ready for the, for the market. We have one section to be signed off with some heavy metals and, um, and we're ready to go. We, we currently have about six to 700,000 oysters on site and um, hopefully this time next year they will be on, the, uh, on restaurant plates. How will an oyster industry change the communities where you are? Well, obviously, you know, it's going to bring um, you know jobs and employment, which is um, which is the main thing that you know the outcomes, and you know just just the pride to see you know the the local oysters in um, in, in restaurants and the and the demand throughout the world. So yeah, ma- massive changes for the community, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, one thing that I, I can say is our our chairman, our um, Bunuk Galaminda. Um, you know, he, he, he has a gesture where he, where he points out to the ocean and, uh, and he says, you know, we've got no gold in our soil here. Our gold's in the ocean. And, you know, I think that's a, that, that, that's a, that's a pretty cool uh, outlook. They are um, absolutely a, um, a, a very, very special oyster. Um, and, of course, being, uh, being natives, that's, um, that's, uh, that's the big one. We've had, we've had so much interest from um, different restaurants, you know, throughout Australia, you know, Michelin Star restaurants, um, all sorts of people, Bush Tucker restaurants, and they're they really looking forward to, to getting them on, on their tables. Initially, um, our, our market will be Darwin, you know, the, the, the restaurants in Darwin to start with. Um, again, logistically, we can, you know, we can get the oysters on an aircraft or, 
or however to them, um, you know, fresh out of the ocean and basically, basically on the table, you know, that night. And um, so that's, uh, yeah, fresh as. That is Steve Wesley. He's the chief executive of the Yagbani Aboriginal Corporation. Speaking there to Annie Brown. And wouldn't that be great, hey? Having some territory tropical rock oysters on your plates, potentially by this time next year. Uh, we'll wait and see. It is 20 minutes past one here in the country. Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald. What you could be getting on your plate in time for Christmas is lychees. Uh, lychees are starting to come off the trees. Uh, we'll f- find out how the harvest is tracking along. Apart from this tune by Casey Musgraves. Casey Musgraves there with High Horse. This is the Country Hour on ABC Radio right across the Territory. My name is Dan Fitzgerald. Thanks a lot for your company. Well, it looks like there's going to be plenty of lychees available for your Christmas lunch this year. The lychee harvest, it's underway in central Queensland, a little bit later than usual, but things are looking pretty good, as Megan Hughes reports. It's been an unusual season, with a cooler spring and plenty of unseasonal rain. But grower Ian Grove says despite this, the yields and quality are going well. There's uh, more lodges on the market this year. The guys up north really did it tough the last couple of years around on the north north of here because um, they didn't have enough winter, basically, and, and so there's very poor fruit set up there. This year they've got a good crop, which is great news for them. So there's more lychees on the market so leading up to Christmas there should be plenty for the customers. And how have you gone here locally with fruit set and everything? There's one variety of lychee that's down it was um, particularly cool through September Uh, we're getting 13 degree mornings when full flower is happening and and uh, some some varieties require a bit warmer than that the more tropical varieties and so pollination on one variety is quite poor but all the rest are, are good actually so so um, yeah, we'll have a, a similar volume to last year, I believe. And a lot of out-of-season out rain and a few storms that have hit recently. How have you gone through all of that? Yeah, no, the, um, the challenge was uh, 350 mils of rain in October. Uh, that doesn't really worry lychees. They're, they're quite um, rain-friendly crop. Uh, mangoes, it was a struggle. We had to f- spray a lot of, you know, keep the sprays up. Luckily, the fruit had set and, and it wasn't on the flowering, so there are a few second grade mangoes to come off yet you know we haven't started them yet but there will be a higher percentage than we like in second grade because of the rain and we did have a little bit of hail early November I believe it was late October might have been Uh, it was only a flick but um, it's put a few marks on some mangoes and we get the odd lychee showing that little scar too that has to be discarded So overall fruit quality is pretty good though? Yeah lychee is certainly excellent, the the lychees we're picking couldn't be happier, they're um, they're big, fat and red, so that's what the market likes. So uh, so we're very happy with the lychees that are coming off at the moment, that's for sure. That's Bungandara lychee grower Ian Groves. Crystal Caton has around 5,000 trees on her property, northwest of Rockhampton. She says picking will run until the end of January due to the delayed start. Looking to be quite a large crop like we had last year, which is nice to see. Um, it's just been really delayed by... Oh, a good 10 days for two weeks this year. We would have um, started in early early December previously, but this year we're not starting until, yeah, now. So it's, it's the weather. <laughs> um, I'd say our cooler spring might have had something to do with it and, yeah, maybe maybe the, the rain we had, well, that would have only helped it, I guess. Ms Caton says in terms of yield, it looks like it'll be another good year. She's estimating a total crop of 100 tonnes.
they do say that light use tend to have a biannual crop where you'll have a big crop one year and a lighter one the next. But for us this year, it's looking quite on par to what we had last year, which is really nice to see. It might have something to do with the weather, I guess, but also uh, our management strategies and some things have changed with pruning and um, maybe that's had something to do with it too. Who would know? As with every industry, growers are struggling to find workers. Mr Grove says there are a few people short this year. It's a bit of a struggle. Uh, we're a few short at the moment. Sandy put an ad up on one of the backpacker sites and I see in the first couple of hours we've had quite a few responses so hopefully we can increase the numbers quickly. We're just four or five short of where we need to be to try and get through them on time and then the next variety starts around Christmas and the mangoes overlap. So, so we need plenty on hand because people need days off. We don't want everybody to work. You know, it's no good to work every day so we like people having weekends and so you need more staff to to sort of rotate them around and not overwork them bit of a struggle at the moment but we're uh, we'll, we'll get there and not looking at joining like the the pacific labor schemes or anything like that just still looking at backpackers and locals yeah no to you know the pacific labor scheme is a brilliant thing uh, the only problem is you have to be a company to, um, to to get involved and we're, we're a uh, humble partnership here, it's a family farm uh, we may move into the company space in the near future but, but at this stage we're, that's not an option open to us That is Ian Groves, he is a lychee grower in central Queensland and he was speaking there to Megan Hughes That is it for the Country Hour this afternoon and Just a reminder that the Bureau of Meteorology has issued a tropical cyclone warning Tropical low is developing over the Timor Sea as it moves southwards towards the Joseph Bonaparte Gulf. This may intensify into a tropical cyclone during Friday morning, just prior to making landfall during Friday afternoon or evening. So the warning zone is between Dundee Beach to Columbaroo in Western Australia, so that includes Water, Kununurra and Wyndham. Uh, there'll be uh, more details up on your radio at five past two. But for me... Uh, and the country hour, that's it for today. Cheers.